Welcome to the healing art of being you. Today we're joined by Amanda Young, a seasoned traveler and storyteller with a remarkably fearless attitude on life. Throughout the episode, Amanda takes us on a journey through the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between as she challenges us to embrace new experiences, take risks, and push beyond our fears. Here's your hosts, Chelsea and Allison. Okay, we need to start from the beginning. Yes. We need you to give an intro yes. on yourself because oh this is just, you're just like checking the boxes of like all the most incredible. I feel like you are the manifestation of every child's dream. Like, I bet it'd be really cool to have a sword. Yep. I bet it'd be really cool to do fencing. I bet it'd be really cool to camp over every part of the world. And you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do all that. So you can wake up and find bears and just be like, and just be like oh, those aren't my pills. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amanda. Hi. Hi. Please introduce yourself and tell us and everybody just like. I don't even know where to begin. Y- y- I'll let you begin. Short story. We're short story. Let's do a short story, and then we'll take a deep dive. Short story. <laughs> Name is Amanda. I was actually born here in Columbus, Ohio, at St. Anne's Hospital, downtown Columbus, which no longer exists, because apparently it was shut down for something. I don't know. Um, and at 12 hours old, I was taken from my mama to Children's because I was born with spina bifida, and I had part of my spine actually on the outside of my body, which is not supposed to be there. For those of you who don't know, anatomically, that's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be inside. <laughs> There's not supposed to be anything outside. It's supposed to be inside the body. Yeah. It's a problem if it's on the outside, which is why I had to go to children's. Um, and so my mom was all gacked out on pain meds, apparently, at that point. And um, so my dad and I went to children's. And I had my first surgery to put all of those nerves back into my back where they belonged. However, they weren't quite functional when they put them back because whatever is. Um, So I, at that point, um, really didn't have any feeling on the bottom of my feet. And well, my legs didn't function like your alls do, but that's okay because I don't get shin splints. (laughs) <laughs> um, and that's a good thing, yeah. apparently, because apparently they really hurt. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the positive note there. You know, <laughs> positivity. Yes. Um, so they took me over to Children's. I had my first surgery at 12. I also had um, a disability called hydrocephalus, mm-hmm. and that is water on the brain. Or as my dad would say, the Pillsbury Dough Girl, because you could push my forehead in and it would pop back out. It was great. Um it was great fun. So that typically leads to pretty severe learning disabilities and, and um, some challenges with intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you full well that sometimes I really have that. Mathing is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, not my thing. Give me people. Much better with people than numbers. Um, and... From that point on, um, my folks were actually told to put me in an institution and forget about me and have more kids because I would never walk, talk, or sit up. Hmm. I love the dark ages of medicine. Mm -hmm. Right. 
it's just lovely. Um, and, you know, I was not the only one. I'm really incredibly thankful that my folks are educated and they were like, uh, what, no, no, we're going to take her home, figure out what to do mm-hmm. with her next. And um, I, to this day, I am grateful to them and they are my biggest cheerleaders, even though they all tell me, to tell them about it when it's done. <laughs> I feel like I would probably have the same comments. Yeah, yeah. You know, I told my mother, I said, well, um, I got a thing to do with paint and it can't be fixed. She's like, where's the tattoo and is it done? <laughs> yep. Or, you know, oh, 16,000 feet looks really great. But, you know, the ground looks even better when you jump out of the plane. And she's like, well... The good news is your legs didn't work anyway. <laughs> yeah. It does. Oh um, my gosh. And <clears throat> so thankfully they never told me that, you know, having a disability was any different. Um I understood that I was different because I had lack of bladder control, I had lack of bowel control, so I wore a diaper until I was ten. Mm-hmm. Um to this day, I remember what it's like to be called paper butt. And it's just peachy. Um, and so now when I talk to parents of kids with disabilities or even adults, I'm like, listen, your goal is to get them as independent as possible. And not to say that they have to be without fault because we all have faults. Mm-hmm. But if you can get them to the point where they have bowel and bladder control or it can be a functional thing for them Mm -hmm. and they know how to deal with it and they're not just freaked out every time anything Mm -hmm. happens and it's different you're like let your kids be problem solvers Mm -hmm. and I tell that to everybody I'm like problem solving is a plan Mm -hmm. and that's so much of what I learned from them was, you know, okay, you're here, now how do you get out? And I think that's one of the best things in my life that I ever learned was, okay, this is not gonna work. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I found out as I aged was, the world was here long before me, and it doesn't owe me squat. And the world will never be accessible. And accessible is a lot of things to a lot of people. For me, um, it's fairly loose in terms of, yeah, function. So I make it what I need it to be, and I make accessible what I need it to be. Um, And that has served me well, and it gets me into some really interesting places, (laughs) you know, crawling up a mountain in Scotland because, well, the mountain was the mountain. (laughs) And I did not have a ski or a thing on tracks that could go up a mountain fairly easily. So um, you get out and you crawl. And um, I've given up trying to be what everybody thinks I should be. Mm -hmm. If I want to go somewhere, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, woe is me. Mm -hmm. I can't get there because I'm in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And... 
that's just dull. Mm-hmm. And so you get out of your car and you figure it out and you make sure you have climbing equipment in your car <laughs> and a carabiner that attaches to your wheelchair that attaches to your climbing harness so that you can attach the wheelchair to the climbing harness and just crawl up the, up the mountain until you have great friends who are now great friends who say to you, hey, Amanda, there's a stockade fence at the top of this mountain and you're going to be able to get over it, but your wheelchair will not. So how about we take that wheelchair and we put it back down in your car and just bring the keys back to you? Oh, thanks for that. So I only had to crawl half the hill with the wheelchair attached to my rear end with the pictures to prove it because I thought it was really funny. Um, And I'm thankful for total strangers that they were able to say, "Um, yeah, you don't really have to do all that work. Which also leads me to the second part of problem solving. I can be really bullheaded mm-hmm. and stubborn, mm-hmm. and I love that about me, but it also causes me a whole lot of grief mm-hmm. because I tend to bang my head against a wall and just go, I can't do it this way, I can't do it this way, dang it. And where now, when I was younger, I used to do that a whole lot, where now I can kind of step back and go, not going to get me through the wall. It is not a battering ram. Mm-hmm. Don't use your head like one. <laughs> um, and so what I had to do at that point was just go, okay, how can I do this my way? And be damned what everybody else said. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was young, again, it was the dark ages of medical technology, and I had lots and lots of surgeries and I had you know surgeries that put me in the hospital for 10 weeks on a striker frame that flipped me up one side and on the other side and I was 10 and I probably lost 30 pounds and it was not a good time Um, but I am so thankful I did that surgery then because I have been rock solid pretty much ever since and because of that surgery I can do the things that I want to do now because I'm alive. It had started to um, impinge, my scoliosis had started to impinge on the left side of my body. So it was, it was causing me lung issues, breathing, and eventually it would have affected my heart. And nobody wants that um, because you can't do cool things when you've got no heart. <laughs> um, or so they say. It is one of the minor criteria when it needs to do cool things, I think. You know, cool things, <laughs> heart, breathing, cool things, breathing. Beats, you know, um, and luxuries in life. Just small, <laughs> small ones. Um, but I was so, so, th- so thankful that they kind of let me do that and be that. And, you know, I... My parents have always been active. My entire family is active. And that, to this day, is, I think, one of the greatest things that they've given me is I don't sit well, (laughs) said the woman in the wheelchair. It's true. I don't. I don't sit well. I would much prefer to be out moving, doing something. It's only very recently that I've figured out how amazing it is just to sit for a second and go, whoa, I can get stuff done and like fold a piece of laundry. I'll fold the other piece tomorrow. (laughs) Just the two. (laughs) Putting away, that's two weeks from today. But it has given me the 
ability to do so much and um growing up it wasn't easy because my stepfather was in the air force so we moved a lot i didn't know a soul every time we moved and you're like oh new school fun but you go i had to learn to adapt and i i think that's what so many people miss is adaptation is life everybody says well you adapt to things so well and I said so do you because everybody has to adapt it's not just an adaptive athlete so I was like I'm an athlete Mm -hmm. don't squish me into a hole um decades ago well not quite decades but it's been like over a decade ago in the middle of nowhere I got this phone call fast forward obviously a few decades from when I was born but I got this phone call and it was a guy from Telluride and he said to me you don't know me or you don't I we don't know each other blonde moments issues but words are hard words are hard and disclaimer he said um I've heard that if I tell you to pack your bags you won't ask me where you're going and you'll just say when do we leave when do we leave and where are we going? He goes, well, you're going to have to pack for Alaska. You do realize I'm from the flatlands of Ohio and Oklahoma and <laughs> all of the flat. And um, it wasn't until that moment when I am sitting on a mountain in the Alaska range, having been dropped off by a plane um, and said, we'll see you in like when it's not clouded over because we can get back in. And you realize at that point that you brought a wheelchair that is not functional because the snow is hip deep and you're like, well, that was a stupid waste of 15 pounds of gear that I didn't need to bring and everybody else just used it as a seat. And they tossed me out this great little kid's sled with ski poles and I just used the kid's sled to get around for the rest of the time. But, you know, and it wasn't until that moment that I actually got to say to myself, you're a mountain climber. Yeah. And oh, that Yeah, you are. <laughs> and that is such, you know, I'd done a lot before that, but that was such a moment for me. I'm like, well, dang, I'm a mountain climber. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm a mountain climber. <laughs> and I think I said it like 20, 30 times because up until that point, I really hadn't taken that in. And I hadn't said, well, you know, because I am a woman in a wheelchair, because I am all of this, I didn't think I could ever be that. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I got to do something new and I didn't die. Um, they dropped me over the side of this crevasse and said, get yourself back up. <laughs> and you're like, um, how do we do that? Well, I don't know, because nobody's ever done it before. So you're the first. Oh, okay. Problem solving. I think we're in the graduate level classes now (laughs) because I'm hanging over the side of a mountain in Alaska. (laughs) It's either eat or die Mm -hmm. and move or die. And um, I think that might be doctorate level. Yeah, that's like doctorate seems a little. Yeah, I was like, where where are the ice axes? Can I can I use those? I got I got to figure those out really quick. 
and how hard they really are. And I finally got to say to myself, hey, you're a mountain climber. Oh, yeah, you and are. it is, for so many people, I hear them, well, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. Mm-hmm. Um, as a woman growing up, um, I was never that because I was always the cute little girl in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I knew somewhere deep inside that I could be different. And it's taken me 40 plus years and some good friends who remind me of what I can be. Mm-hmm. And it's not a thing because fear, what I figured out, is what, 15, 16 seconds? And then you're like, oh, that was not hard. And so you just have to get through this 15, 15 or 16 seconds of fear and you're like, oh, that was what was keeping me from this? Well, that was dumb. And I had so much fun after I figured that out and somebody said to me, you can be whatever it is that you've done. And I'm like, oh, I'm a varsity athlete in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I earned my varsity letter as a woman on my high school track team in the state of Oklahoma. And I was the first one to do it back in the dark ages of 1992. Yeah, tell that story. Tell that story. And it is, well, I, um, it's one of my favorites because, um, Everybody says Oklahoma is so backwards, and I have to beg to differ. First of all, because the people in Oklahoma that I have had the fortune to meet are nothing short of stellar. And um, I was introduced to athletics that people with disabilities could do, because this kid came into my house the day that they we moved in, and he says, hi, my name is Marshall Grant. You need to, you need to play basketball and track and do all these things. And I'm like, who are you? Number one, my, my mom was like, uh, okay. So, you know, I started in basketball and then I went to track and I'm only slightly competitive. And by, I would never gather that from you. And right? by slightly, <laughs> com- slightly competitive, I mean. Insanely competitive. You're going down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're going down. And you don't pull yourself up a mountain in a right. wheelchair without being competitive. You're like, mm, I gotta finish with a wheelchair strapped to your ass. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty much. I'm I, the pictures to prove it. Somebody, somebody said, "Well, did you really?" And I said, "It ain't bragging if you done it." Mm-hmm. Good old Oklahoma saying. But it was so interesting to me because after I joined this track team with a bunch of other people with disabilities in some way, shape, or form. Um, it was 35 miles, it was 35 miles one way. And so my mom and I would do that twice a week. And I'm like, this is, I, I can't get any better twice a week for an hour. So I, in my infinite wisdom, said, I wanna join my high school track team. And I went to the principal and I said, hey, okay. And I went and talked to our track coach and he goes, here's the thing. I have no idea what we're gonna do with you, but we're gonna wing it and figure it out as we go. And that has suited me so well. And so from 
being this person who was the wallflower, who wasn't really a wallflower, but didn't really know people. I went to, you know, everybody knew that I was in the school because it was kind of um, how, how novel. Oh, yeah. That a woman in a wheelchair was on a track team in mm -hmm. high school. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have any short buses back then. So they had to toss me onto the big bus. And I taught them how to take my racing chair apart. And they could take it apart and put it together. And to sit with a team of people that didn't look like you, um, didn't use mobility like you, but understand that we're all on the same team and we're all reaching for the same purpose was like, oh! And it wasn't until about two or three decades later that I realized how important that was in my life because those are still people today that I talk to. You know, and if I don't keep up with them by phone, we talk via social media, and I am still a part of their life. And it's so interesting for me to see that because I never thought I would have that because historically people didn't at that point. Mm -hmm. It's not been until the last 10 or 15 years, thanks to some of our great uh, athletes now who've really kind of paved the way for the for the people that have come behind them. But I'm like, man, we did that 25 years ago. <laughs> and it's She's cool. like, I did that first. <laughs> you know, and you know, not, to, not to brag, but you're like. Brag, oh. please. But then you get to say, dang, I did that. Mm -hmm. And how cool is that? And how yeah. cool is it that a bunch of high schoolers who can usually be pretty jerky. Exactly. Mm -hmm learn to take my chair apart, learn to toss it in the bus. Yeah. Like, and what an impact you had on their lives too. And that's so cool. And I, I went back to my high school reunion last year in September. And I knew, first of all, it's it going home to me is, is just this all encompassing kind of warmth. And I come home and everybody says, Hey, Amanda. And I'll be out on the street and they're like, Hey, I am not the only woman in a wheelchair who's ever lived in Edmond, Oklahoma, but I really feel like it when I go home because they're like, Amanda, you're home. And it is so amazing. But I loved sitting in my friend's brewery, having a beer that he brewed just for us and talking to friends. And they're like, we have to live vicariously through you because we have kids and you're doing things that we only wish we could do. Mm -hmm. So tell us about those things mm -hmm. and tell us what it's really like mm -hmm. because we forget. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit there and go, wait a minute. You, you want to listen to me? Because, huh, it's really kind of, mm, sure, whatever. And I didn't understand that that was valuable that was that was valuable to them and that was an experience that wasn't like theirs oh yeah you know i i love watching their kids because you know i'm aunt amanda and it's awesome because mm -hmm. i can hand them back and go i'm out <laughs> right exactly tag your it and i bet kids love you too they do and because i'm just honestly 
You're a just red sunbeam, red I'm, light. Well, number one, I'm just a great big kid in adult clothing mm-hmm. because I love. The best ones are. You know, <laughs> it's, I, I like simple things and I don't. Somebody asked me a long time ago, what was your favorite gift that you've ever been given? And I said, it wasn't a gift. It was the ability to understand that the world is wide and my four corners aren't all that exist. And that, you know, people with disabilities exist all around the world. People that are oppressed exist all around the world. Women who haven't been given a chance to tell their story exist all around the world. And, you know, now when I travel, I don't necessarily travel to sit on a beach and read a book. That's my kind of travel, so good for you. Exactly. I'll read a book about your life. It takes all (laughs) kinds to make a world. Exactly. And I love that, but wheelchairs and beaches just aren't a thing. Mm -mm. Sand is, they're, mm. Neither are Allison's. I'm, I, I'm like number one. Ooh. Breaks my husband's heart and my sister's heart. I, I don't have a whole lot of fear in my life because we figured out that it's like, oh, I've been through surgeries and if I can do that, I can do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But the one fear that I have in my life, flat out will not do, is swim in water I cannot see through. Thank you. It's not so unreasonable, okay? No! It is not so unreasonable. I have a healthy respect for the ocean and the creatures that live inside of it. <laughs> Thank you. They can much. eat me with yes. one chomp. Thank you. And and the things that can eat me can get eaten by way bigger things. All right, thank you. I'm not trying to give anybody a fear of the ocean. I'm just saying I don't think I'm unreasonable here. <laughs> you are not, sister and husband. <laughs> thank you. Um, all of the people in my life who were like, wait, 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 you're afraid of what? Yes. Real. And valid, and and quite frankly, that's just a survivalist mentality. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? Riptides. Riptides are thing. They are. are. Right. Thank you. Yep. Nope. Nope. Yep. Nope. We don't do that. No. You don't Mm-mm. go in the ocean. Mm-mm. No, we go everywhere but. Yes. You I, and me, we can travel separately together. That, that's a, that's another good point because um, my first road trip was when I was eighteen. Um, I graduated from high school and I was like, toodles, road trip. I'm a dork. But I loved it <laughs> because it was like, I'm going on a road trip. And my grandparents taught me that really early. But I loved it because I went all over the place in the West and I like, went to Colorado and visited my aunt. And then I went to Texas and New Mexico and all of the things. And I'm like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that when I interacted with people, oh, maybe this is not quite so fun. (laughs) Um, And that is, I think, one of the most interesting things when I do travel is I travel on my own. Mm -hmm. And the amount of people that say, oh, my goodness, aren't you afraid? I actually have a question about that. Ask away. Well, I was going to ask you, like, do you experience any fear with, like, going out on your own? Or did you at the beginning? And if so, how do you handle that? Because I think that that fear of, I don't know how this new culture works. I don't know how transportation works here or how to order food here. I don't know the language. Or I don't know the the laws and the rules and I don't want to get in trouble. Or I think a lot of that is a very real fear for a lot of people. I mean, like 
for like just asking for a friend here. How does one get over that? <laughs> it's fear of the unknown. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned a long time ago, I am an open book when it comes to my disability. Mm-hmm. Because so many people won't talk to me because I am something to be afraid of or oh my goodness, you might catch whatever she has. And I've had parents who have just taken their kids across their body to protect th- protect them from me. That's because laughable. apparently I'm catching. I want to catch what you got. <laughs> you know, I, here you go. You can have all of it. But Perfect. I, but what I figured out is that we, as, a, as humans, we are afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And the unknown is scary. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting in a plane, this is the best way that I can explain it. When you're sitting in a plane at 16,000 feet or 14,000 feet or whatever, how many feet you are above the earth when you've decided to go skydiving and jump out of a perfectly good airplane, Mm -hmm. everything is fine and good until you open the door. You're like, I've never been in a plane with the door open. And then you look out, and I'm very methodical, and the, the guys that I jump with have been very methodical in that, and they tell you we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to go like this, and then we're going to land. And you're like, oh, okay. And they've explained it out so distinctly and so in detail that it's like, oh, okay. Still going to not... I'm going to need some adult depends <laughs> for the first time. But now it's it's so just joyous because I, you can sit there and free fall and talk to the person that you're jumping with like we are. And there's once you realize, oh, that was what I was afraid of. Oh. And so what I try to relate that to is... When people see, um, because for better or for worse, my generation, kind of the generations that were right before me and have come after, are a lot of the first generations of people with disabilities that are out and living Mm -hmm. independently in public, driving, taking public transit, Mm -hmm. going to college, doing all of those things, and not behind closed doors and not in those institutions that so many people ended up in. And so when somebody sees that, and I full well know that I am one, I I could be the only person in a wheelchair somebody ever meets. And I have to remember that that is the impression that they leave with. And I don't ever want them to think that I'm this mean, crotchety, hideous, heinous lady. Um, and I'm bitter and mean because of my wheelchair. And yeah, it's a pain in the rear, but it's that 30 seconds of I can make an impact on their life in a positive manner or a negative manner. And I would much rather leave a positive reminder for them to like, oh, the next time somebody comes up, I met this really cool chick in a wheelchair and she's nuts and she does all kinds of crazy things. What do you do? That's going to be my next conversation I have with somebody. Too. Right. Yeah. Literally. Because it's That's like, what I said to them when I was like, guys, Amanda has to come on the show. <laughs> because that's the thing. And when we know something, we're not afraid of it anymore. 
whether that's people or experiences or what have you, you can relate it to everything in your life. Mm -hmm. Because once it's known, it's like, oh, that, nothing, done. So it sounds like it's more along the lines of just like, if you want to do something, do your research like you did with your camping. I need to know what materials I need to have and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like, Absolutely. Do the research to make sure that you're safe, mm-hmm. but then just jump out of the airplane and do it. Right. Like, just go and do it. And, you know, put on your harness. Yeah. Because, you know, for the most part, all of the trips that I've taken overseas, um, they've, they've been pretty wild. <laughs> but this next one that's coming up, I'm so excited because it's going to be like rapid fire travel is what I'm starting to call it. Because the way I booked it, I'm going to have 24 to 40 hours in each city in the first like week that I'm overseas. So I go from Stockholm to Berlin. I'm in Berlin and then I'm in Prague and then I'm in Budapest and then I'm in Poznan, Poland, which I'm not sure where it is, but we're going to find out. <laughs> and then I go to Warsaw. And I'm in Warsaw for four days, which is the longest I'll be in anywhere in Eastern Europe. I'm like, okay. Um, everything in Europe is old. It's not the greatest accessible place in the world. I found that when I first went to Dublin, Ireland, because Trinity College is all cobblestone. I hate cobblestone almost <laughs> as much as I hate sand. <laughs> um, but it was worth it to me. Um, I, for the longest time, didn't read books as an adult. But I've just recently, probably in the last year, gotten back into reading books. And so I skipped the Book of Kells that was downstairs that everybody wanted to see. And I went upstairs to the long room, which is the most gorgeous room in the world. And it's just rows upon rows of first editions of books. And you're just like, I just want to take it in. And you just sit there for a second. And you realize all the knowledge that's in all of these books. And you're just, it's overwhelming yeah. to sit there. And it's so pretty. I was like, book of what? I'm up here with the books. <laughs> and that's a capital B and a capital O-O-K-S. <laughs> books. But it was so interesting to me. And I said, it was so worth going over cobblestones to get to that. Or learning in this little town in Ireland that the ground floor isn't the ground floor in this little tiny town in Ireland. It's really the first floor. So there were stairs. So I got there and I crawled up the stairs because... I mean, what am I going to do? Make them carry me up because I didn't pay attention to how I booked that? No. And so you say, hey, can you just carry my wheelchair up the stairs Mm -hmm. because I will crawl up and I will be okay with it because Mm -hmm. I will pay attention from now on. And that's the thing is you have to pay attention. Um, I, my big thing is I don't like to go someplace and expect everybody around me to speak English. That drives me bonkers. You know, I they come here, people from around the world, and 99.999% of the time, we do not speak their language. And so it is my job as a traveler to at least be able to say, hi, my name is Amanda. 
I'm here. I want to learn. And mm-hmm. I think to me, that learning portion of it is, oh, she's not this silly hoodlum who's here just to, you know, go to the tourist traps and do all the things that everybody else is going to do. No, I want to take like a pierogi making class from a Polish grandma who's 90. <laughs> That's what I want to do. And that I want in her family kitchen. Right. In yeah. her family kitchen. And so for me, that's so much part of it is, okay, I take deep dives in the middle of the night because I'm a night shifter, and I will take deep dives into the intrawebs, which is the best thing in the whole wide world. I was telling a young kid the other day, I said, you know, it's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. We have the world at our fingertips. I remember Atari. We've come a long way. Britannica. Mm-hmm. Huh? Encyclopedia Britannica, Mm -hmm. yep, we actually had to turn pages. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I understand now is we have this thing in our hand that can give us the world, and yet we watch cat videos, and I watch cat videos Mm -hmm. because, yeah. Um, But if you look and you just start digging, you can find the greatest experiences. And it's not going to you know, these places that are going to be 8 million people in line and all mm-hmm. of this thing, you can actually understand the culture, understand what it's like to live with a disability in another country. Um, how how do they deal with it? What are the struggles that they deal with? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know mm-hmm. because that's where that connection is and that's mm-hmm. where it's real. It's real, number one, and it's without fear. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, you have to pay attention. I can't have, you know, when I rent a car overseas, I can't have a manual because, well, I just don't do those well. And so I have to be very, very specific. And I call a couple of times and then I will follow up with an email. Hey, I just need to make sure that this is an automatic Mm -hmm. because if I get there and it's a manual, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so that's so much of what it is. It's just I still fly by the seat of my pants way more than I should um, but I think that's the best part is having the back of your mind mm-hmm. how you're how you're prepared you're like okay in the eventuality mm-hmm. that that doesn't work you need to plan B C D E F G and maybe H mm-hmm. and you've got a lot of letters after that mm-hmm. and that's I think the thing that we don't think of is we think so immediately is okay well this isn't gonna work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my whole vacation is pl- no it's not figure something else out mm-hmm. well that actually leads into because i you're you're checking off all of my questions here without even me asking them but that leads into my question that i had earlier you were talking about problem solving and teaching kids to problem solve and adaptability and learning how to be adaptable was there something that you're like, how did your parents instill that in you? Or what do you talk about with parents or kids who may need to, like, learn how to problem solve a little bit better? Because all kids need to learn how to problem solve. But obviously, if you're in a wheelchair, there, it requires a different level of problem solving here. Mm-hmm. It does. How How was that instilled in you? Like, what did your parents do for you? Or what did you gain from all that? And how do you kind of talk about that with other people in the community of, like, these are really important skills to have. And this is how you gain those skills without feeling like a victim without feeling like a failure, mm-hmm. without feeling hopeless that things will never change. How do you have that conversation? 
that's one of the best questions I think I've ever gotten. And I love that because it gives me the chance to talk about it. (laughs) Problem solving is so, I think just in general for any kid, that's so, it, it serves them so well as they grow up because they don't look at the world in one perspective. It's like, okay, that that's not going to work. Now what? And they sit and they twiddle their thumbs and they get all afraid and then they don't try again. Mm-hmm. And you sit and you become stagnant. And that's, that is no way to live. Um, it's not living in my book because that's living in fear. And what I've understood about fear is fear is a feeling. Feelings are transient. They move. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't stay. Mm-hmm. They only stay if you ask them to. 90 seconds. That is all you need. Fear, you hear that right? Fear is a feeling. It is transient. It's transient. It goes away. And it's, if you can problem solve through that, what, 90 seconds? Mm -hmm. You're in like Flynn. Mm -hmm. And it's so, I, (laughs) I love kids. I don't like my own kids. I don't have any, thankfully, I have cats. <laughs> um, I love being Aunt Amanda to all the people in the world. I will be Aunt Amanda until the day I keel over. Oh, man. But um, what I love to do is I love to teach parents and kids because so many families have kids and adults and kids with disabilities and kids who are able to use their legs um poor them again those shin splint things <laughs> and all the i mean like charlie horses and Achilles tendonitis I mean, oh, a whole laundry list. see here's the thing plantar fasciitis you know they cut my achilles tendons so i'm like do uh, hmm? you never have to worry about that one though. no it's I mean, great mm-hmm. the things that you're thankful for in your life but what I love about that is I always ask parents if they have other kids, would you let Jimmy do the same thing? Well, yeah. Okay, guess what? Julie over here needs to have that same experience. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is terrifying for a parent, I can only imagine, to say, Oh my goodness, my kid who I've tried to keep safe and cocooned and all of these things and not breaking anything and not feeling pain and not feeling all of this, guess what? You have to because that's living. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel pain and if you don't feel all of those things, you can't develop empathy. Mm -hmm. And empathy is, you're like, hmm. That's when you get people who say, well, I don't, I don't know why you feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say, dude, I broke my leg one time too. I was on a rower. I was being real stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but to know that somebody else has that same experience mm-hmm. and to know, guess what, man? I teach skiing, and I think one of my favorite things to do is listen at the end of the day. Dude, I took a ski lesson. What did you do? Mm-hmm. I fell a lot. Mm-hmm. And what they, what the kids that we teach don't tell you is that they fell a lot too. But they figured out how to get back up. And one of my things that I always tell people 
is if you fall over, I'm gonna leave you there because the most important part is how you figure out to get back up because I can't figure that out for you because I'm not gonna be there to follow you for the rest of your days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, going back to my fear of water that I can't see through and live fish, mm -hmm. woo, I always tell people here in Ohio, this snow is made out of ground up fish. <laughs> and if it were me, I would not want to stay down here any longer than I better possibly had to. So get up. And I, that to me, first of all, it makes you laugh. Mm -hmm. Second of all, you're like, oh. Gross, I'm going to get moving here. Yeah, you're Here's like. Some motivation. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, fish lips are different than <laughs> chewing on fish. Thanks. Um, and I was also um, doing some indoor climbing. And I got to climb with this young lady, and she is just this little ray of sunshine every time she comes in she loves to climb and i mean like we've gone way past love to like love to climb and i love to watch that because her joy in climbing she's like oh that is a big jug and i'm like oh it is and she's like she just scampers up this hill and up this indoor climbing wall and oh by the way she can't see it and you're like, huh? And she's just, she's gripping out of the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, um, I struggle when I can see it. Wow. And she, you can tell her to the right, to the left, down, and she will know exactly where to put her foot, where to put her hand. And then she'll just jump to the next one. You're like, I have never seen so much joy in one body in my entire life. And the thing that I learned from her, because she came up to me one day after climbing and she said, Miss Amanda, I want to learn how to kayak. Okay, I can do that. I'm a kayak instructor. I can handle that. Of course you are. Of course you are. Certified swordsman, fencing. Yeah, right. You it's know, fine. all Whatever. the things. Kayaking. But <laughs> extreme sport, aficionado. Yeah, if it requires adrenaline, bring it on. Um, <laughs> but the thing that, why, so, you know, we had a conversation, her mom and I had a conversation, her brother, because her brother wanted to learn too. But she came up to me before we got to kayaking, and she goes, Miss Amanda, can I have my own boat? Sure. Mm -hmm. Have your own boat. Do what you need. I had the most humbling experience doing that because, first of all, I was terrified. Oh, I bet. Because I'm like, this little tiny thing is in a boat by herself and help me, Rhonda, if I topple her right. over or she drowns, I'm going to be just dead. Mm -hmm. Dead meat right now. And she didn't. She paddled better than I did. <laughs> but here was the challenge. And this goes back to that whole idea of problem solving. She had no idea what the concept forward was. She knew up, she knew down, she knew right, and she knew left. Forward. <gasps> Backward, huh? <laughs> so I had to figure out. How to explain that. How to explain forward and backward to her in a boat in a whole different plane. Wow. 
than she's used to traveling. Yeah. Because she's used to doing right. this. It's like her brain doesn't work that way yet. Yeah, no. It doesn't have that pattern. Mm -mm. That's incredible. No, and she had, we have these, they're like little drip rings, we call them, on the edge of your kayak. So if you're paddling, the water doesn't get up on you as much. And she was feeling those drip rings. And she said to me, Amanda, these feel like wet lasagna noodles. I've never forgotten that in my whole entire life. Oh. I I will be in a in an assisted living home and I will be going, wet lasagna noodles. How's that feel? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Best thing ever. But it was so challenging to me mm -hmm. because she had no idea. And I'm like, oh. Uh -huh. And that's one of those moments where you go, Oh, I'm I'm rusty with mm -hmm. because you don't think about it anymore. And oh. then when you're presented with this big whole perspective, mm -hmm. you've never thought about mm -hmm. the idea that a young lady who can't see doesn't understand forward and backward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. Mm -hmm. How do I do this and not mess her up? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. and so. Oh, it was just, it was a cringy, cringy day. But then she took me to Ikea, and we had we had soft serve at Ikea. And I learned how to go through Ikea with a different perspective, because she goes by, she goes through it by smell. Leather, couches. She's like, I, we're in couches, aren't we? Yeah, we are in couches. And she loves the candle section, but it gets her very overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I love that. She's yeah. like, too many smells. Hurry. On my way. It's mm -hmm. incredible. And that's problem solving mm -hmm. that I never thought of. Mm -hmm. And it's something that comes to me mm -hmm. so easily now because I just don't even think about it anymore. Well, it sounds like it's been an incredible muscle that you have practiced over time. Oh, yeah. And what, what I think might be happening with a lot of parents is that because they have been problem solving for so long, it's so easy just to give the answer, to give yes. the response, instead of giving the child the opportunity to figure it out themselves. And it takes a lot longer to give the time for the mm -hmm. child to learn it. It does. And it takes a lot of energy from the parent to not want to swoop in and protect their child. And or fix to it. Fix it, to solve the problem for them. Um, or on the other end, you know, some of us have a tendency to over explain, you know, everything is a teaching moment and it doesn't need to be. Sometimes you just need to shut your mouth, say, I want you to figure this out. I'm here if you need me. Um, but it sounds like children would learn how to problem solve a lot better if parents would practice the restraint to provide a safe environment where the child can learn but also not swoop in when they are not what their version of success is. We have a lot of conversations with our kiddos about, you know, when they're upset about something or things didn't go the way they wanted to or they got, we, we've been dealing with a lot of broken fingers in our house recently. We had three casts in four weeks and it's just been like Ooh. a lot going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, the question is, you know, like, well, what did you do? Well, what did you learn? That kind of thing. It's not so much that it's, why did this happen for you? Mm -hmm. Why do you think this happened for you? Right. You know? And it's like, you know, my, my one child, he broke his finger running from the family room to the kitchen because he was so excited that somebody had gotten jelly beans and he wanted one and he jammed his finger on the couch and snapped back and broke his finger. And it's like, okay, why do you think this happened for you? He's like, I just need to stop eating jelly beans. I'm like, do you though? 
Or do you perhaps, is there another perspective here? Mm-hmm. And he was able to kind of recognize, okay, I may be having an unhealthy relationship with food. I may be too anxious around food and too excited around food, and I need to slow myself down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, have you gotten a sick belly from overeating before? Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Okay, so your body's given you signals many times, and you haven't chosen to listen to those. So now you're given the next step, which mm-hmm. is a, an injury, a broken yeah. finger. So are we going to start figuring out a different way to solve this problem, or are we going to go the next step into disordered eating or mm-hmm. obesity? Like no how far are we gonna go down this path that your body's trying to teach you something, the universe is trying to teach you something and you're choosing not to listen? Um, oh. Right? <laughs> I know, man. Oh, the pain! Oh, the pain! Yeah, those lessons that keep coming around until we stink and learn them. Mm-hmm. But if we learn problem solving from a young age, if as parents we step back and let our kids Try to Fail. figure out. Yeah. 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 Because failure is really just information. It's, it's just, just like, a oh, teaching, that it's, 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 that it's way a teaching moment. Yeah. yeah. That way didn't work. Let me try it a different way. Right. You know? There's like, somebody told me a long, long time ago, you have to be willing to suck at something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's an opportunity. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And to your point, I think it's so important that as parents and I can't say we because I'm not a parent. Mm-hmm. My cats just do what they want to do mm-hmm. and they are stupid, but you know, I can't fix that. <laughs> but as parents, I think too, there's so much wrapped up in, I don't want my kid to fail. Mm-hmm. And it it seems like failure is this big four letter word. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you do understand that there's a learning process mm-hmm in that big F word Mm -hmm. because when you learn that you learn number one consequences to actions Mm -hmm. and I think that's just as important as learning how to problem solve through it is oh well hmm, I don't like those consequences Mm -hmm. I did this Mm -hmm. this happened Mm -hmm. Ooh, Mm -hmm. maybe not that again Mm -hmm. and so maybe the next time they step back and they say that didn't work that brought me there. Okay. And maybe they ask their brother or sister or friend and say, you know what? And maybe it's not this big, long conversation, but it's like, dude, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And bring somebody else in. Bring mm-hmm. another perspective in. Another perspective. Perspective sure. is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell people, I'm like, sometimes it's better if you step back and not think of it your way, mm-hmm. but think of it in, you know, I, I love it when people park next to my car in, cause I now officially, you know, do park in accessible parking spaces because I like the extra space mm-hmm. that the little hashtags on mm-hmm. the side give me to get my wheelchair out of the car. Mm-hmm. People seem to think that that is an extended part of a handicapped parking space. And I'm like, no, it is not. It is space for me to get my wheelchair out. But in more ways than one, that's also taught me, hey, that's a learning experience for them because they might see the sign right above it. Okay, miscommunication there, got it. But okay, how am I gonna get out of here? How am I gonna get in the car? If I have someplace to go. You know, you've got so many options. Pop the hatch, get in the car, back it up, move your chair, get the chair in. Or, you know, prey on the kindness of strangers and say, hey, I just need you to back my car up like 
two mm-hmm. feet so I can get in the car. Mm-hmm. And that takes getting over that fear of talking mm-hmm. to people as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and being seen. Mm-hmm. And being seen because, you know, for me, I like to be in the background. I like to make things work. I like to be the cog in the wheel that makes everything smooth and um, taking a step into doing things like this Mm -hmm. um, is terrifying to me because being heard and being seen isn't something I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And um, that has been a big growth experience for me and I'm 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 learning to embrace that and I'm learning to embrace sucking at something mm-hmm. that's different and that's new for me and understanding that help is not a four letter word and mm-hmm. that it's okay to ask mm-hmm. because if you stop and don't ask and you don't do it because you have been afraid to ask hey I could use a hand Mm -hmm. first of all it gives the person that you're asking oh I can help somebody else that gives them a warm gushy feeling all over oh yeah and then you're like oh I can do this and I can still maintain my independence Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like a schmuck and a failure in all of those things because Mm -hmm. guess what I did it yeah. It just had to do it a different way. Yeah. And that's all about that problem solving. And I think for me, sometimes as a young person, I didn't want help because I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be any different than the people that were tall and could reach up to the top shelf. And I'm like, fine, I'll just figure it out. And I didn't ask for help, and I didn't get the things that were on the top shelf, and whatever. (laughs) But that is so detrimental because, to me, I could have learned that so much earlier than I did, and I could have foregone a lot of issues and a lot of pain and agony that I didn't get to do, or a lot of experiences I didn't get to do because I didn't want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Again, the thing that I'm learning as I age is that to extend yourself and to help somebody else is just a connection. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. It's not good. It's just a connection. There's nothing that we should attach to it beyond, okay, you're taller than I am. Mm-hmm. Or guess what? I'm down here, mm-hmm. and I can get the, the good cereal that's mm-hmm. down on the very bottom because nobody gets it down there because nobody wants to reach down there. Mm-hmm. And it's using our strengths. And I, I think that's, for me, one of the biggest learning curves that I'm going through is uh, everybody has a strength, mm-hmm. and how do we use those most appropriately? How do we find mm-hmm. out somebody's strength? Because... You could be in a dead-end job and hate your life because it's not doing what you want or you're not feeling challenged. Mm -hmm. And you have to go, okay, I can either change this Mm -hmm. 
or I can stay here and figure out how to challenge myself or take on something different or do something different right. and not be afraid at the end of the day to go, okay, well, hmm, now what? Mm-hmm. And be okay with it. And mm-hmm. I love that because you're like, oh, but finding out what your strengths are, learning all of those things that make you who you are because I mean that's where you're gonna find those mm-hmm. and it's in the struggle yeah you you got to struggle because yeah. you know I years and years ago came back from Montana and I was really sick I was septic and I lost a kidney and I was on a vent and all of the things I was med flighted from Bozeman Montana to Denver I don't remember that I apparently collapsed a lung or two. Um, I did a lot of things that I was not aware of. And I went from being able to ski eight to 10 hours a day when I went in to not being able to transfer from my wheelchair to a bed or to a toilet or to a couch. You want to talk about stubborn and not mm-hmm. asking for help? I. Driving is is my independence. Mobility is my independence. And the day I came back from Denver to Columbus, I got in my car. Because I'm Amanda. I get in the car. Amanda also falls out of the car. (laughs) Because I couldn't get from my chair to the car. And I fell out of my car and my wheelchair went rolling and I didn't have my phone so I got to sit on the concrete for three hours because well I couldn't and that's difficult for me to say is I couldn't there was no physical way at that moment in time that I could have gotten off of the concrete by myself so it took me waiting three hours until somebody came and said how long have you been sitting on the ground? Hmm, not long. Not long. We're all good. Life's good. And to understand that I have to be better prepared, number one, and keep my phone with me at all times so that I can actually make a phone call if need be and be better prepared, you know, and I just sat there and I went, the thing that I had to remember, it's not going to be this way forever. Mm -hmm. And fear is not forever. And challenge should be forever because I think that's when we grow and we have the most fun. Um, The idea that I'm going to countries that are not accessible makes me challenged. And I am so excited. I'm like, how am I going to get on that bus? I don't have a clue. But you're going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out or ride a train. Exactly. (laughs) Or get an Uber. You'll figure it out. And that's, I think, the best part is like, oh, okay. And then I will come back with knowledge. And my goal is to share that so that, yeah, you still need to ask for help. But I've checked one thing off of your list for you to do. Okay, guess what? The train mm-hmm. has accessible seating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that's problem solving for me in a not nutshell. Yeah. Well, this has been incredible. incredible. And so many things, like we could go on for days. Um, I have one last question. Charles, do you have any questions? I'm just last? over here crying in the corner. It's okay. Fine. You're doing, you're doing it so lovely though. <laughs> you, I mean, I mean, <laughs> like when I cry, oh my gosh, it's, it's like ugly, ugly cry. cry. <laughs> oh, it's like, did you guys ever watch New Girl? You guys ever New Girl fans? Mm. Okay. Oh. Well, there was a character on there and they were like, he has the ugliest cry. You should go YouTube it later. It's absolutely, Justin Long plays the character who has the ugly cry. It was hilarious, but that is how I cry. Anyway, moving on. Um, so my last question, because this has been absolutely incredible, is what has been your favorite independent travel experience? And then what are you absolutely most excited for next? Oh... Um, my favorite independent travel experience. <sighs> Here we go. Um, it was the second or third time I'd gone to Ireland. And I... Only. Only. Only the second or um, But the things you can find on short notice and just be ready to go. I believe it. And so I got on the plane, got in the car... Got there on a Friday morning, hit the ground running because I'd slept all night on the plane and just kind of started wandering the back roads of Ireland because that was safest for me because driving in Ireland is just a whole hot mess of crazy. But so I get to this little town and it's really pretty and it is the quintessential Irish pub and you're just sitting there and you're like, I'm just going to suck this all in because you never know what tomorrow is. You never know if that's going to be the same as tomorrow. And then you end up sitting next to these guys and they come in and they're on a party bus and they come in and they're talking to the bartender and you're like, okay, this just got real loud. I was really enjoying my ambiance, ambiance, you know, drinking my Guinness from Guinness and mm -hmm. all the things. And I, they apparently knew each other and it was great and I learned at that point that it was a bachelor party oh it was a bachelor party and the bartender who was so kind says to me Amanda you should go what <laughs> I needed to preface this conversation with the fact that the groom was 82 and the groomsmen were over the age of 70. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, that's First my kind of magic. And yeah. well, apparently his wife had left him for somebody for somebody in town and she now became the town hooer. And it took me a minute to figure out what a hooer was. And I went, "Oh, a hooer." Um so I Said, you know what? Okay, here's, you know, big red lights are going off in my head as the girl from across the world in a foreign country. And I, some odd reason, decided I'm going to go talk to the guy that's driving the party bus. Talk to the guy that's driving the party bus. It's his business. He doesn't work for anybody. That's his bus. And I said, listen, here's my, here's my story. I need to be back here in this parking lot because I'm staying right there. I need to be back here by 2 a.m. Safely, unscathed, and had the best time ever. 
And he goes, done. I got on the party bus. I sat on two, count them, two cases of Bud Light because that was exotic. (laughs) (laughs) Exotic Bud Light. And I, another fun thing to find out from the 70 and 80 year old men in the world is that they were also in a, in a choral group. And so they start singing. And I've never had so much fun in my whole entire oh my life gosh. on a party bus with Bud Light and an 80-year-old and 80-year-old men who are getting married the next <laughs> oh my day. Gosh, that's amazing. And then as we're coming back cuz we had stopped in a bunch of different places because come to find out many of them owned pubs or were uh, distillers. So we had a good time and about half an hour before because mind you we're in the middle of ireland and the roads are this big and a party bus is not that big um in the middle of ireland and somebody noticed the time and party bus driver at the front me in the middle having a good old time guy in the back yells drive it like you're late for church (laughs) so we turn a corner on two wheels in a party bus and everybody like fell over to one side oh my it was like two wheels on a rail oh boy and i got back to my little airbnb that i was staying at at 1:58 a.m. <laughs> 1:58 wow and they sang me off the bus oh my gosh this is amazing and i haven't had i mean how much better can you get you than being in the middle of Ireland and, and crashing a bachelor party? And oh, by the way, the groom's 82. Right. Like, That's what? Amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing. And I know so many people who would have been afraid to do that. And I'm so, so glad something just stopped me from feeling that fear and not being able to get through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't get to tell that story Mm-mm. without that. Exactly. And I don't get to get a good laugh out of it every damn time I think of it because it's like, dude, I crashed a bachelor party. And people get all kinds of crazy because they're like, oh, they're 82. I think that's amazing. And, you know, I never, ever looked at Bud Light the same again. (laughs) (laughs) So exotic, you know. So exotic. exotic. It was, you know, Guinness was like a euro for a pint. Bud Light was six. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Ah, This is terrible. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. That is my favorite. That's the best. That's the best. (laughs) So your your favorite, the thing you're most excited about, probably your upcoming trip, but, like, what specifically are you most excited about coming ahead for you? I... I'm excited, honestly, about all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, My great-grandmother is from Sweden. And she lived on a farm, and they had gypsies on their farm. And they asked her mom to name her Dagmar. So I get to go on part of my trip to go to Sweden and learn more about where Dagmar grew up Mm -hmm. and find out more about that. And hopefully not try lutefisk because I am not excited about whitefish that's fermented in something. I'd lie, maybe. Whoa. Um, 
but to learn what it was like and to find out what this place that she grew up in was like and, and how. And it's not going to be the same as it was 100 plus years ago. But to be in the same area as a woman who told people that when she got on her first plane ride, she was going to crash. And she actually crashed and was hanging on by a seatbelt, which I was impressed they had at that point, and still be alive to tell about it and say that, yep, I said it was going to crash and I crashed. <laughs> and I want to know that. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. understand that story and that part of her. And I want to take my grandmother who taught me so much about travel mm-hmm. to see that mm-hmm. with me as well. Oh, yeah, And she will be over my shoulder going, where are we going next? Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I, that is that. And hopefully learning how to make pierogies with an old Polish grandma mm-hmm. who's 90 in her kitchen. That sounds amazing. Um, all of it. Yeah. And, um, to see all of it, the Berlin wall to see all of these things that I grew up with that weren't real to me until mm-hmm. they're in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody told me one time and I have a sticker on my water bottle that says don't just believe what you what they tell you, go see. And that to me is I think what travel and problem solving and all of those things is is go see mm-hmm. because Okay, you might screw it up. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Brought you here. Yeah. What an inspiring message. This has been absolutely incredible. This has been one of the coolest conversations mm-hmm. I've ever had. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing that like your life could have been very different. You could your parents could have put you in an institution and, and there you go and who knows what happens to you. You could have had parents who fawned over you, who didn't let you struggle on your own. You could have had a very, very different lifestyle and instead you chose to say, yeah, okay, this was the hand that I was dealt, but I also want to literally check off all the cool things on my childhood love life list. And you've done that. You've traveled all over the world. You have climbed mountains and you've hiked and you've pulled yourself up and down hills in a wheelchair and you've learned about falconry and you're going to go learn how to make pierogies and Mm -hmm. all of the coolest things because of this incredible, incredible ability to be adaptable, to problem solve, and to just look at your fear in the face and say, fear is just a feeling. It is transient and it will be gone in a matter of a minute or two. And I'm going to have this experience the rest of my life. And that is so incredible because I think so many people hold themselves back from that and because of that that fear and you've just faced it head on and there's just no real reason for any of us to just sit here and hide in fear like there's incredible things that all of us can be doing in life and I think you are a true testament to like hey this is what can happen if you choose to appreciate your fear in the moment that it's happening and then be done with it and move on Mm -hmm. and so I'm just incredibly grateful for your your conversation today and your wisdom and it's been just wonderful and I'm going to leave you with this note the best part about being a woman in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. besides the fact that I am adaptable and a problem solver is the fact that I can wear shoes (laughs) that y'all can't even think about that's right amen to that and I my biggest problem when packing is actually how many shoes am I going to (laughs) bring 
clothes, yeah, we can wash those. Shoes, <laughs> that's a whole different story. It's incredible. I love that. So is there anywhere that our listeners can follow up and, and follow along with your story? Where, where can we find you, Amanda? Well, damn, Chelsea. Because guess what? You can find me at damnamanda.com. <laughs> I love it. Because love it. more than once in my life, people have gone, damn, Amanda, yeah. what are you doing now? Yeah. Jumping out of planes? Yeah. yeah. So find me at damnamanda.com. Awesome. I love that. Follow me. Interact. Yeah. Tell oh, me. Yeah. Give me tips. Absolutely. If you've been places... Tell me where I should go next. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking Mongolia on horseback with eagles. Well, that what? sounds like a trip, man. I will be following you on the website. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, tell me where. Tell me where I should go. Ooh, tell me the what? things I should what do. What a cool trip! What if you just everybody else got to decide where you went? Right. Oh, that should be throw, something. Throw a throw a a target on a map. Yeah. Do that. it. Tell that. me where to go. Yeah. That'd be so Tell fun. me where to go, and I will I will blog it, and you can come along. And you know, if you're lucky, I might even come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, on that beautiful note, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, for anybody who is interested in local into the Columbus area, Chelsea and I are doing a seminar on April 8th um, about just kind of getting in touch with your body, understanding how your body's processing emotions, how that might be manifesting in any physical symptoms you're experiencing. And then we're gonna do some really cool things. Uh, we're gonna get some some movement in, we're gonna get some gratitude in, and then we're gonna get some food in us because mm-hmm. we're gonna have a happy hour afterwards. Oh, man. I know. Um, so, happy hour, hello. Yes, you've come, join us, it'll be amazing. Okay. Um, but we will link all the information below. We would love to have you come and hang out with us. Um, if you are not part of the Facebook group, please feel free to join. We're going to add some additional stuff in there um, and make sure that everybody has an opportunity to just learn so we can all continue to grow, to face our fears, to move on in life and get as much as we can out of this life and just heal all of our crap so we can enjoy it. Yes. So thank you all so much for your time. Thank you so much for your time, Amanda. This has been amazing. And I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Thanks for sticking around for this brilliant story of overcoming, becoming, and thriving no matter what. This episode has left me warm and full of wanderlust, and I hope you too are inspired to take a leap of faith next time an opportunity comes knocking at your door. If you've enjoyed listening today, don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Friday, and check out the show notes below for information and resources for how you can join us on this journey towards becoming our best selves. Until next week, this has been the healing arts of being you, wishing you love and light.